It's the Montreal Show where sports insiders share their secrets. This is the Melnick in the Afternoon Podcast from TSN 690. Michael Farber will join us in just a few minutes. Normally we talk NFL with Eric Edholm. Eric is in a plane. He won't land until about 5 o'clock, so uh, we'll probably be hooking up with Eric at 5.35. Pierre Maguire in about 30 minutes. Aaron Ward after 5. Melnick in the Afternoon on TSN 690. Oh, I'm going to ask you a question, Peter, and I hope it's not a stumper. Who's your all-time favorite artist? Drake. I'd have to put Drake in the mix. Okay, let me rephrase that. Who's your all-time favorite artist, as in a painter? Oh, artist. Okay. Um, I can't say I have one. <laughs> Michelangelo. Michelangelo's not. There's nothing wrong with that answer. Don't don't yeah. chuckle through the answer. That's yeah, a fine. That's Michael a fine Angela. answer. Okay. Is he big, bigger? Well, what do you have a problem with now, John? Is he a bigger? What do you have a problem with now? Is he more of a sculptor or is he more of a, a painter? He's a painter. He is. Michelangelo is truly an artist. Like yes. there's no, you know. If do you have a been, favorite painter, artist, painter? I mean, in every sense of the word, on, depends on my mood. I mean, if I'm in a surrealist mood, you know, we're going with some Dolly. Mm-hmm. If uh, I'm in a hyper-realism mood, we're going uh, Norman Rockwell. Mm. Pointillism, we're going with... Uh, God, I just blew his name. So I was about to think of him, but uh, I'm obviously just talking absolute nonsense at this point. I would probably say Norman Rockwell. I like uh, realism way more than, you know, the... Like Jackson Pollock, more than Jackson Pollock. More than What about Warhol? What about, uh, what about Picasso? What about Modigliani? Monet? Renoir, Van Gogh. I can't wa- I, I I can't look at like a Picasso for too long. Like my my head starts to hurt. You know what I mean? Like the, the cubism. I would not have been. I would not have been succeeding There's during so the cubism era. Facets of his career, though. It's really. Uh, I I I don't do it often enough. But when I do do it, it's hard to get me out of a museum because uh, oh, it you know it's just and uh, and I hate to go early on in these these shows that get great incredible reviews because there's too many people and it's hard to take in a work like that and and get into your own headspace while staring at something that's incredible when there's people around you and you're in a line like you're in a foursome on a golf course you gotta move you gotta move (laughs) Uh, so i prefer to go off hours kind of like going to the beach you know late in the afternoon when the sun sets i like to be alone the reason i mention this is because uh, there is something very unique. In addition to all of the advances in technology for television sets, I have a Samsung 8, uh, 8K 65-inch television that I purchased. And Audio Center has the Samsung frame. So what the frame does, it allows you uh, to basically add to the decor of the room that features, instead of a ugly, just black television in the middle of everything else that looks so good in your room... Uh, you could uh, have some of the greatest artists within the frame of your TV when the TV is not on. You can also download some of your favorite photos. You've taken a look at some of your photos, and you go, man, this is like, this is professional quality. What happened? I got lucky on this shot. I don't mind. I wouldn't mind staring at that all day until I turn the television set on. Check out the Samsung Frame TV. Some of the greatest works of art can be on display within that frame while the TV is off. Among the continuous technological advances, they're always ahead of that technological curve. At Audio Center West, they're at 4914 Sherbrooke in Westmount.
Normally every Monday at about 4.35 or 4.40, Michael Farber brought to you by Billy Bob Productions. But as mentioned earlier, Eric Edholm normally in this slot is in a plane. He won't be landing until after 5. We want to dig into the NFL, so we'll be doing that with Eric later in the show. And uh, Billy Bob Productions, of course, uh, bringing Dan Byrne up to Hurley's Irish Pub on Saturday night. It was great to see a full house in the music room jammed in there upstairs. And, of course, we had Dan earlier in the day in this very studio taking requests from listeners. His first song request was for Jeannie Bouchard. Go ahead. Tennis is hard, but for Jeannie Bouchard, not so tough, not even a bit of a... In 2014, at Wimbledon, she was a runner-up to Petra Kvitova. She's lovely, she's the darling of tennis merchandise dealers. Dated Mason Rudolph of the Pittsburgh Steelers. She lived in Montreal on the same street as Mulroney, they shared a yard. Three cheers for Jeannie Bouchard. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get the, come on, the folks in the bleachers. Luca. Way to go, Luca. How about that? Way to go, Dan. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. He's still beaming, and so is Joey Elias. Uh, Dan's album that came out the same day that 9-11 broke. Uh, it's called New American Language, available on vinyl for the first time. His brand new album to be released shortly is called Starting Over. How you doing, Michael Farber? Yeah, I'm great. Thing, you know, that was funny and educational. There you go. I, I had no idea she shared a yard with Mulrooney. Did you? Yeah, I, I didn't know that either. And uh, 2014, wow, has it been that long? Wow. That's been 10 years, and now she's playing pickleball. Yeah, who isn't? Yeah, with a lot of uh, former and current athletes um okay so again i appreciate you uh helping us out here schedule wise because normally we chat football with eric and we'll do that later in the show but man oh man uh i'm I'm not sure where your allegiance lies in the nfl i don't know if we've ever discussed it did you grow up a a fan of a team or not i I did not well yeah as a kid it was a baltimore colts fan uh even though i was growing up in the shadow of new york never a giants fan or a jets fan couldn't get Giants tickets if you wanted. Jets, back when they were in the AFL, and this is obviously pre-Super Bowl era, you could get tickets, and you know, you've been to Shea a lot. And yep. This would be early November, and you'd be sitting in the upper deck, and the winds would whip, and you'd freeze. Uh, I saw Joe Namath throw like four interceptions one game. So, uh, no, it was a... Uh, uh, no, so no allegiance. What I kind of do is follow Rutgers players now. Mm-hmm. So that takes me to Pacheco uh, in Kansas City. Uh, and in fact, in the Super Bowl, you got two defensive players, Logan Ryan and Sebastian Joseph Day, playing for the Niners. So, yeah, I mean, that's as far as my rooting interest goes. I love the way Pacheco runs. It's so unique, his running style, isn't it? With the high stepping, uh, galloping almost. Yeah, from New Jersey, you have a chip on your shoulder, and that's the way. <laughs> but you can imagine how Lions fans feel today. Yeah, less so than the Ravens. Uh, uh, I mean, I know the Ravens are disappointed, but there's a whole other gut check sure. level for Lions fans after what happened. Yeah, and you know who doesn't love Honolulu Blue? 
And, you know, they were like the Chicago Cubs of some era, right? You just hoped at some point they would make it through. And, you know, you'd watch them every Thanksgiving, you know, with a pratfall. And both those games is a reminder that how you approach uh, the postseason is different than the regular season. And I admired Dan Campbell for the way he approached things in the regular season, but you have to coach a little bit differently. And he had, uh, I know he was very aggressive during the season, but you had a chance midway through the third to go up by three scores, and he turned that down, and he had a chance to tie the game. Now, he doesn't have the world's greatest field goal kicker, but yeah, I mean, I would have presumed both those kicks would have been good. So um, I, I think, it, you know, he was biting kneecaps off people, and he ended up kneecapping his own team. And uh, I find that incredibly unfortunate because uh, the Lions were a lot of fun, and uh, the son of a former Expos catcher, Eric Goff, yep. Jerry Goff is a story I think Montreal would have gotten behind in a Super Bowl. And who knows, as Campbell said afterwards, whether they get back to this shot. I say they do. I, I think this is the beginning of something special. They seem to have the right people. Uh, you never really know for sure, but I think it's I, – I think they will – I think this is just the start of something good for the Lions. I like to believe that anyway. Well, as, sure. as opposed like to this to is a one-and-done thing. Yeah, but, it, you know, it's football and life are ephemeral. I mean, if you looked at the Eagles last year, you say, oh, that's a special team. And, yeah, we're going to see them. And they they back. And they basically collapsed at the end of the season, kept the head coach, fired all the coordinators, and, uh, and looked like an absolute mess. And Jalen Hurts doesn't look like the quarterback he was. So, yeah, I mean, you never know. Your friend Woody Fryman, you say about baseball that each good team has five years. And before age or trades or injuries or whatever goes on, erodes them. And what we're looking now from Kansas City is pretty remarkable because even this rebuilt Kansas City team with an emphasis on uh, their defensive play as opposed to what Mahomes, Mahomes' magic can do uh, is pretty remarkable. So we should be appreciating Kansas City in real time for what uh, it's done. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, Dan was singing about it on, on Friday, this whole, I mean, we're kind of entering Mahomes' Tom Brady uh, I mean, th- this th- it's if you go back and check year by year how the Patriots started once Brady replaced the injured Drew Bledsoe. Uh, again, you never know, but with the coaching staff in place, the know-how of the front office, some key players, uh, Mahomes is is a ways away from thirty. What is he? Twenty-eight. I think he's 28, I think 27, he's 28, 28, but here's the playoff record, which is truly astounding. So 14 and 3. These are both in the first six years of starting. Mahomes 14 and 3. Brady was 12 and 2. Mahomes has four AFC titles. Brady had three. Brady had three Super Bowl rings. Mahomes has two. And Mahomes has the better TD interception radio ratio and the better quarterback rating. 
And what's similar between Kansas City and those New England Patriots is that they let the other teams make the mistakes. They rarely beat themselves. And what we saw with Baltimore, I mean, that was embarrassing. The team looked immature, undisciplined, and made the kind of mistakes that winning teams just don't. And Belichick's Patriots of a certain era didn't beat themselves, and it's rare that Kansas City does. So when given a chance, and you're going to have three hours more or less to do it more with a half-hour Super Bowl show at halftime, uh, things can go sideways. So if you don't beat yourselves, and yeah, some of that is uh, committing turnovers, interceptions, and what have you, but the rest is not taking dumb penalties, uh, is exploiting what's in front of you. And neither team that lost did that. Uh, they, they just melted down at the, at the biggest moments, whether it was coaching decisions or uh, taking bad penalties or what have you. I mean, Brock Purdy was hardly perfect. I mean, his best play was what should have been an interception, bounced off a face mask. That's the best play the 49ers had in the game. But they found a way to win that game, and that's what good teams do. Yeah, who said it? In order to be the best, you got to beat the best. Who said that? You know it. Was it Me? Rick, Rick Flair? Yeah, Rick Flair. Yeah, I was <laughs> no, staring I, at John. No, I, I know you wouldn't know a Rick Flair quote, Michael. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so the Canadians are now uh, spread out. Some are going to Mexico. Some are going to the Bahamas. Some are going, maybe somebody's going skiing up north. I don't know. But uh, how would you classify the, their first uh, portion of the schedule overall? Our relative success, because if you look at their plus minus in terms of goals, they were fourth from the bottom. I checked a few days ago. I think they're minus 39. Yep, that's and it. And that would indicate, boy, this is team's a lot of trouble. But if you look at the teams behind them in the division, Ottawa was supposed to take the big step forward, right? Buffalo was supposed to take the big step forward. So they are basically in lockstep or close enough to Detroit. So they're on a path, and you can see that. Um, Maybe some of that is optimistic, because if we look at, say, shooting percentage, and if somebody uh, has an unusually high shooting percentage, it will regress to the mean. And that's true if your goal dif- differential is not very strong, as Montreal's in that situation now. So maybe there's going to be a re- regression. But if you look at that and say, okay, this is about where they're supposed to be. We talked at the start of the season, the player I'd be most interested in is Slavkovsky and his development. And we see that. There's visual evidence. Uh, shooting a little more, stronger along the boards, scoring once in a while, we see progress. We see progress from Gooley. Uh, Monaghan has been better than advertised, I think, even though he may not be here a long time. And I know people are a little restive, if you can tell by the sounds emanating from the Bell Center, uh, because, as we say, they're a year away from being a year away. Uh, they were playing Philadelphia, what, two weeks ago or so, Mitch? Yep, in Philly. 
Yeah. Yeah. And my wife and I are watching, and I said, you know what? I'd be hard pressed to find a player in the top 75 in the NHL in that game Flyers, Canadians. And if we go on this timeline a year away from being two years away, that may not be the case. I mean, the Canadians don't have the talent level to compete with the better teams right now. I think that's obvious. As Red Fisher used to say, show me the players. And right now they don't have enough good players. But in two years, top 75 in the league, the Canadians, maybe Caulfield, maybe Suzuki, maybe Gooley. Um, you know, there, there could be some. And when you add to that and the development continues, uh, they're, they're trending. It's just a question of how patient will the city be. I think there's been a terrific amount of forbearance, and you hope it continues, um, because as slow as the progress might seem on some nights, especially when you're getting hammered by, say, Ottawa, um, there is there is progress. Hello, Columbus! I can't believe I missed a very, very important uh, anniversary date. Michael, you're going to fill me in? Yeah. Uh, on the weekend, Gary Bettman became the longest-serving president-slash-commissioner in North American sports. Isn't that amazing? I would you never know? have thought, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, longer than, than Clarence Campbell. Um, longer than Pete Rozelle, longer than, than anybody. Uh, and he, you know, David Stern, 30 years and out. Gary Bettman at the all, basically entered at the All-Star Game in Montreal in 93. And now he is 31 years, essentially. And what a different league he finds himself in or we find ourselves in. I mean, back once upon a time, Clarence Campbell used to answer his own phone. <laughs> He'd call up Campbell here. You know, okay, hi, Mr. Campbell. But uh, it's not that way anymore. It's mom and pop shop. Uh, indeed, after Ziegler and Gil Stein, uh, is a big corporate entity. And Gary Bettman uh, is the driving force behind it. The, the funniest thing I hear about Bettman is when people say, he doesn't get it. Actually, Gary Bettman gets everything. You may not like it, and quite often we don't, but he understands it. He understands more about everyone's job in that league than they do. Uh, I had someone who deals with pension uh, in, in the league, and he says, yeah, and Gary knows my job perfectly. I mean, he knows everything about it. Um, the other thing is, oh, he hates Canada. Does he really? I mean, he's dealt with some fires in Edmonton and Calgary and Ottawa and brought a team back to Winnipeg. Does he hate Canada? I don't think so. Uh, I think he kind of likes Canada, even though uh, he's kept a team in, in Arizona far too long. So, yeah, uh, he's been good for the bottom line. Uh, has he been good for the game itself? Uh, players are better. Uh, I don't think the game brings the level of excitement it did in the 80s when there were a ton of goals, but goals are back up. Uh, he never banished fighting, but he grandfathered 
um, visors in, and basically by attrition, uh, that will fade away. Um, so if you look at it on balance, uh, we've had uh, labor stoppages, lockouts that have hurt the game, uh, but the game has shown growth. Would it have shown growth anyway? Yeah, has it been passed in a significant way by the NBA, with which it was running kind of neck and neck back in 93? Absolutely. Um, but on balance, you know, other than the fact that you probably don't want to have a beer with Gary, uh, I think he's done a nice job. I want to do shots with Gary. That's what you I want to don't. do. I do. Oh, <laughs> sounds like you've Why? been there, done that. Uh, no, I mean... Well, beer, you know, have a beer with Gary Bettman. It's, I'm sorry, I, just, I need to go deeper Has than that. Has Gary Bettman ever done a shot in his life? Now, that uh, would be a question. You know what? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I suspect you'd have a better time doing a beer with Bill Daly. Yes, I've done that. Right. At, so, at um, but, yeah, I mean, when, when Gary came into this league, you know, <clears throat> he was talking about the morning skate around. You know, coming from the NBA, Proskauer rose where he had worked, and then the NBA, he didn't know the game. Gary knows the game now. Uh, so, yeah, he is part of the scenery, and uh, I'd give him a plus on the ledger. Yeah, it's hard to imagine the National Hockey League, honestly. You're 33 years old. You're 33 years old, John, still. Gary Batman has been such a big part of your life, your entire life. Yeah, give me some damn term limits on this job. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Michael. Thanks for joining us early today. Greatly appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, thanks. In 1946, Dander and Heyman got together and formed the Alouettes. They would play the Tiger Cats and Argonauts. Montréal adore ses Alouettes. Montréal adore ses Alouettes. They've won eight great cups so far, 49 and 70, 74, 77, 02, 09, 2010 was mighty fine, and 2023. Alouette, gentil, alouette, alouette, gentil, plumeré, alouette, gentil, alouette, the alouettes are fun and here to stay. Pringle, yes, at running back, Cavallo, the quarterback, with a nod to Echeverry, super coach Marv Levy, oh. 1946, Dender and Heyman got together and formed the Alouettes. They would play the Tiger Cats, they would play the Argonauts. Montréal adore ses Alouettes. Montréal adore ses Alouettes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's the return of Dan Byrne in studio. Brand new song, never been sung before in public. Gary looks like a champagne cooler kind of guy. <laughs> Text somebody from Montreal. Thank Spritzer? you for that. Yeah, Spritzer? yeah, yeah. I would like to. Uh, I would like to see. I, I would loosen. I would try to loosen Gary Batman up quite a bit. Uh, I don't think it's possible. Tequila shots for Gary, please. <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think he's ever been. <laughs> Unless you know what? Here's the time that he did when he won those lockout battles with the players. I can venture that there may have been a shot or two for Gary. Bill Daly, definitely. Uh, and like I mentioned to Michael, uh, members of the media, the, Hurley's was the headquarters at the World Cup. Do you remember the World Cup? And then prior, it was the lockout year. And they actually had Bill Daly, and it was Ted Saskin at the time, head of the Players Association. 
They were actually having beers together on the terrace outside at Hurley's. And it was like 40 media guys got word of this. And they thought they were covering the end to the dispute. And they just like that. And I was left at the bar with uh, Ryan Miller, who was my favorite goalie at the time in the NHL. And I started chatting with Ryan Miller. Good guy. There's a guy I, who needed big equipment. Yeah, one of, very, very one slight. One of the slender. thinnest players I think I've ever seen in the National Hockey League. And it was, it, was a, it was a Ryan Miller who had cut his hair, and I said, you know, one of the reasons I loved you is because of your hair. Like, I was a kid. I had long hair. I was skinny. So I always, like, who's the goalie with long hair and is skinny? And for a long time, Ryan Miller was. I said, why'd you cut your hair? He said, I was starting to look like a heroin addict. So uh, that's that's what I remember the most about that conversation. While Bill Daly and Ted Saskin are having beers in the summer on the terrace at Hurley's and 40 members of the media are all racing out there to cover what they think is the beginning of the end of the lockout. It was only the beginning of the lockout that lasted all year. Yeah. Gary Bettman on tequila shots. Anybody. Rick Flair, the actual quote, to be the man, you got to beat the man. So it was a variation of the Ric Flair quote. Yeah. I mean, that uh, we got it. Rufus, just put uh, one of those Samsung frame TVs up in the kitchen. It is awesome. Who painted the Mona Lisa? Is that not Da Vinci? It is Da Vinci. Yeah. You shouldn't have answered with a question. Who's going to clean up the Mona Lisa? Michelangelo was also a very good answer. Thank you. Who's your all-time favorite artist? Because this is not my specialty, so I'm unsure. No, I, I'm unsure. I, no, it, it, you you gave it some thought, and and you did respond better than I thought you would. Did you know what? Did you see what happened in the Mona Lisa this weekend? Oh, is that the uh, the activists, climate protesters? Yeah, uh, what they throw soup? Some soup at it. I saw that. Is yeah. the bar that low for me, Mitch? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, all it's, right. It's name two. Fair. Name three other artists. Yeah, that's what I mean. That John hasn't mentioned, or right. I didn't mention a few minutes ago. Colin Campbell looks like a bathtub gin kind of guy. <laughs> yes, keep going with this. <laughs> keep going. All right, let's get to George Paros next. What does Paros drink? Uh, Pierre Maguire coming up an hour earlier than uh, normal. Uh, Pierre doing us a big favor today. We'll get right to Pierre at the break for the uh, the Canadians. Are the Penguins slowly still breathing in their hope for a playoff run? Uh, all that coming up with Pierre Maguire next. Pierre Maguire standing by, normally brought to you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at about 5.35 or so by Paramount Financial Services, 514-905-0885, where Mr. Lauren Rubin has been taking care of other people's hard-earned money for over 25 years. Get free quotes on insurance needs, all your insurance, including disability, 514-905-0885. Let's hang with a shot, kicked out by Allen. Crosby will take it. Sidney Crosby. Watch by Caden Gooley. Latang for Pedersen to Crosby. Oh, Doug scores! Gutsall has tied it on a great play by Sidney Crosby. Oh, man. Right on cue as we finished our discussion up on Friday, talking about Jake Gensel and Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are, by the way, that win Saturday night over the Canadians. The Penguins are now 6-0 and this season on back-to-backs. Good afternoon, Pierre. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Mitch. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for uh, helping us out this afternoon with Eric flying home a little later than uh, 
than scheduled. Greatly appreciate uh, it. This is a pleasure. I could talk to you for two hours or three hours or four hours. I love talking to you. So um, you're right about Crosby and Gensel. Obviously, it was spectacular play. Really shows the um, perfect description of hockey sense. Sidney Crosby's understanding of where Gensel's going to be, the peripheral vision that he shows, the puck possession skills, the backhand skill. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Seriously, you think about it, pretty unbelievable. Well, and, um, you know, Florida and uh, and Montreal back-to-back. Um, again, they have games in hand to make up the teams they're chasing. The Flyers were rolling along, and suddenly they've hit the skids a little, and who knows what happens without Carter Hart for who knows how long, Pierre. Um, and we're back to where we were on Friday afternoon. Um, how, how do you approach this uh March 8th tread deadline, specifically Jake Gensel, and uh, John still threw a wrinkle out there earlier as well as a possibility. Yeah, Pierre, I mean, it, it's no surprise that, you know, they're kind of up against it in terms of either money uh, in the offseason or it's going to be uh, bringing in young talent. And, I mean, could you see a scenario where the very rare trade and then re-sign would happen with someone like Jake Gensel in the offseason? Uh, I think that'd be hard to envision because the payoff for Gensel uh, would probably not be as great to the Penguins. Maybe you could see it, but I, I just have a hard time that a general manager in the league would be fooled like that. I really would be surprised. Again, I'm going to go back to what I've been talking to you guys about for a long time. Of all the chasing teams, of the non-playoff teams right now, of all the chasing teams, so I'm even going to count Montreal in there. Montreal, Buffalo, Washington, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, and the Islanders. If the playoffs started today, all of those teams would be out. But they all realistically still are breathing because they're less than 10 points out of the final playoff spot that's being employed right now by the Detroit Red Wings. So a big thing, and the numbers don't lie, is if you're 10 points or less out of the playoffs come the All-Star break, you still have a reasonable chance to get in. It doesn't mean you will, but you still have a reasonable chance that you can get in. Of all those teams chasing, only one team has a plus goal differential, and that's Pittsburgh. They're plus 12. The Islanders are minus 23. The Devils are minus 7. Washington's minus 31. Buffalo's minus 9, and the Canadians are minus 39. And I've been talking about that for a long time on your show, Mitch, and it's really important. And so do I think realistically Pittsburgh can get in? I do because Sid's having an amazing year. He he definitely merits consideration for the, you know, the, the hard trophy. But the truth is, um, you know, there are other guys, Kucherov, McDavid, McKinnon. There are other guys that are ahead of them just because of what they're doing. But I, I would just tell you that uh, Pittsburgh's got a legitimate chance. Now, is it a great chance? No. They have a legitimate chance. They do. Um, okay. Again, plenty of time to to make up some ground. But if it does go south, and you're you're approaching March eighth, if you're if you're the the money at stake moving forward is going to be hefty, without question, right? Either way, um, a flip on on John's scenario is: would there be a team that wants Jake Ensel not only for this playoff, but would? ask permission to speak to him about a new contract? Can you do that at this time of year? Be, I'd say there are numerous teams that would like to do that. Um, don't forget, Team Pittsburgh in the Western Conference, the Vancouver Canucks. 
Look where the head coach came from. Look where two of the assistant coaches come from. Look where the GM comes from. And look at where the president of hockey operations come from. And then look at the players in the team that are Pittsburgh Penguin guys. Um, you know, you can look at Ian Cole um, and, and start there. Look at Casey DeSmith. Um, you start looking at all the players that are former Penguins that are playing in Vancouver right now. Um, it's it's pretty amazing. Sam Lafferty is another one that comes to mind. Um, so there, there's a plethora of Pittsburgh connection. Would he work in Vancouver? Yeah, the answer is yes, he would. Here, here's the one thing on Jake, though. Would he be prepared to give the Penguins a hometown discount? That's that's the only way I could see this being realistic. Um, if he doesn't, then the Pittsburgh is going to have to pay what Toronto paid for Nylander. The numbers are, I think we went over this, the numbers are virtually the same in terms of career games played. I know there's a little bit of a differential, but not a lot. Total points, total goals, and then look at playoff stats. One guy has 61 playoff points, that's Nylander, and the other guy's got 59, that's Gensel. Think about that, come on. If you're the agent from Gensel, you go to them and say, wait a second, you're asking me to take $3 million less a year than what Willie Nylander's getting? Look at the numbers, and that's all they do. You know, everybody's all gunned up about all these numbers. Well, if you want to be gunned up about the numbers, the numbers can come back and bite you right in the butt when you're negotiating contracts. Well, Pierre, do you think that, first of all, do you think that other GMs look at Jake Ensel and how much do they factor in the fact that he plays with Sidney Crosby and then yourself personally, do you think Gensel can go, could go to another team and produce at the same level? It depends who he plays with. I mean, Jake can score, but does it, playing with Sid help him? It helps him a ton. I mean, do you think Steven Stamkos would get the same amount of power play goals playing, let's say, in... I don't know, Montreal, compared to what he does in Tampa. You mentioned the Canucks, Pierre. I don't hear an answer to that question. <laughs> well, I, well, I, I, mean, think, it, I think it answers it's quite itself. It's a rhetorical question. <laughs> See, a good attorney never asks a question unless he knows the answer. Oh, I know. I know the answer. There's no way. It's just that you know, like Crosby. Crosby. It feels like Pierre. He he's so unique because when when he either finds someone that he likes or the Penguin again. They're at different points in kind of their career and team building and all that stuff. But it, when it was someone that he had real chemistry with, it was okay. You got to keep this guy around for as long as possible. And I wonder how much, even more so than like a Stamkos or go through a bunch of other guys in the league. That's the thing. Is that that's what's so interesting to me with the Gensel dossier is that like. How do you? Where do you break off Jake Gensel and Sidney Crosby in terms of those numbers in production? Yeah, no, Jake. Jake obviously would be the first person to tell you he's been very fortunate to play with Sidney. But I think Sidney would also tell you he really enjoys playing with Jake because Jake understands where to go. He understands when to jump in the holes, when to back off, when to be aggressive on the forecheck, when to support Sid off the rush. There's a lot of different things, so there is really good chemistry there. I think it's a valid point. In, at the end of it, if the Penguins drop, let's just say, if the Penguins drop another five or six points backwards compared to Detroit or Toronto, um, but they can catch Philly, which they might be able to do, by the way. If they could catch Philly, um, Philly could be the odd team out. And if that's the case, then I don't see Jake Gensel going anywhere because then they'd be in the three-hole in the Metro. Um, and I... I think if they were to play Carolina or even the Rangers, they'd have a legitimate chance to win that playoff series. Yeah. 
So Pierre Vancouver, okay, so this is All Star Week. The right. the the story for year uh, for you for the year so far is it Vancouver? Is it Winnipeg? Is it a team like oh, Edmonton? Vancouver. It's Vancouver. Vancouver. Vancouver, Mitch, has been an amazing story. This is another example of, of a coach doing a great job. And Rick talking when there were a lot of people that were highly doubtful of what Rick would be able to do there. And they could not have been. You know what I said, Mitch, and I'm, yeah. again, not because we're friends, but I have so much respect and admiration for Rick. When you win a cup with somebody, you see how important they are in terms of winning a cup. Uh, it matters, and, and Rick was a really important part of a cup-winning team. So they put together some amazing standards internally. Uh, they live and die by those standards, and they hold guys accountable. And um, it's worked amazingly well. They've had tremendous support from their management people. That's why they went out and got Casey DeSmith. That's why they went out and got Nikita Zadorov. That's why they went out this offseason and got Carson Soucy. Um, that's why they added Philip Ronick. That's why they went out and got Mark Friedman. They knew him from Pittsburgh. That's why they went out and got Ian Cole. I mean, and go down the line, The guy, they, Rick said, I need certain guys, and they went out and got them for him. And now, look at what's going on there. It's been amazing, the track. How would you assess the Canadians at this point, almost 50 games into the season? Uh, I would, and I know the fans at home are probably going to be mattering, but I'd say they're solid B. I don't think they're a C. I think if I was grading, I don't think they're an A. I don't think they're an A plus. I don't think they're an A minus. I don't think they're a B plus. I think they're a solid B. How I'm doing that is I'm looking at the injuries they've had to try to overcome. I'm looking at their youthful enthusiasm on their defense, and the guys are breaking in. I look at the development of Struble in particular. Uh, I couldn't be more pleased with that. I think their management people would say the same thing. I look at the development of Caden Gooley. I look at the way Mike Matheson is comporting himself as a player and as a leader. Um, I would be really happy if I were a Canadian's management person. Obviously, not being in a playoff, a realistic playoff position is painful, but I think you have to be realistic. And the development uh, going on there is tremendous. And, and look at Laval at the beginning of the year was not really um, a world beater. Now, all of a sudden, Laval is becoming a very realistic team in the American Hockey League, and that's really good for the development of those young players that are there. Jaden Struble, man, he was, uh, who who was it that he was chasing? Oh, it was Pasternak in Boston, right? Gallagher made a made a bad play backwards, and Struble actually almost caught Pasternak, who scored off his own rebound past the net. Like, that was so yeah. impressive. He's got, a, obviously, very, very strong legs. Yeah, no, he's he's just a tremendous skater. Uh, we talked about it when he was drafted by Montreal, and I remember telling him, I said, they're just going to have to control his emotion, and they're going to have to control the way he chooses to live. And I think he's done that, and the Canadians have done that. And, it, they're, and I would say this fully confident. One of the biggest things that's gone on in Montreal is Kent Hughes knows those a lot of those young players because as an agent, he had to go and – talk to them. He had to recruit them. He had to see what they were like. And Kent's sons played with Jaden Struble at St. Sebastian. So they know the player unbelievably well. Strengths and weaknesses. And I think it, it was like the perfect fit. It couldn't have been a better fit for Kent, and it couldn't have been a better fit for Jaden. Could not have been. We talked about Jack Guy apologizing to his teammates for the penalties he took against the Islanders. Uh, he was yeah. scratched for Saturday's game against Pittsburgh. They put Jordan Harris back yeah. in the lineup. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have an issue with that at all? No, I would have done the same thing. Clearly, he's not getting the message. So 
the only way you can punish a player, well, there's two ways. One, you send him to the American Hockey League. It's harder to do because of waivers. And the second thing is you sit him out. That's the only real way you can punish a player is, is send him to the American League, um, especially if they're on a two-way contract, or uh, sit him out. And so they wanted to sit him out to try to make the lesson a little bit more uh, effective, and hopefully it works for him. But those penalties were unacceptable. I talked to you about it on Friday, and I, I kind of expected him to be set out. And I think they did the right thing. Pierre, when you were uh, coaching uh, Pittsburgh, Hartford, did you have a break for a week, 10 days? No. You, you didn't have no, any of those, no eh? Break, no yeah. break. Never. No. Where no. would you have gone? This is – what's that? Where would you have gone? Where do you Mont think Trumbull. you would <laughs> You just stayed home. <laughs> I would have gone to Montreal. Listen, when I'm all said and done and I don't have any more breath left in me, I'll still be at Montreal. <laughs> so I just love it there. I'm proud to say that my children were born there. My wife's from there. My father died there. My father's buried there. I, I love it there. Um, that's my home, and that's where I'll always call home. Uh, well said. Thank you. Thank you again for helping us out today. We'll talk on Wednesday, normal slot. Oh, yeah, I look forward to it, Mitch. Thanks a lot. Hey, enjoy the football conversation, too. i got to think there'll be some discussion about Detroit decision-making. Oh, yeah, there was in the first hour, and there will be with Eric at 535. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks. See you later. Bye-bye. Brought to you by Lauren Rubin, Paramount Financial Services. Please give him a call at 514-905-0885. Coming up next, Aaron Ward, and then, as mentioned, uh, Eric Edholm, where you can read him. At NFL.com, just returning home as we speak. And so we'll be talking NFL with Eric at about 535.